Guys, are you ready for God's word this morning? Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, before we go any further, I want to I remind you of a couple of things. First of all, we want to keep Patrick Bertucci in our prayers. He underwent some, some surgery. That's why he's not drumming uh, here this morning. We want to keep lifting him up and, uh, and believing for a full recovery. Also, um, excited about all that God is doing on Elevate Night. If How many of us had a chance to attend the first Elevate Night? Raise your hand. Awesome. How many of us have not had a chance yet to attend Elevate like ever? That's Wednesday night service. Okay, cool. Listen, I want to encourage you. Come on out Wednesday night. That's where real growth takes place. Sunday morning we go higher which is good. It's good to touch the hem of, of, of his garment. It's good to, to get inspired, revived, refreshed. But, but Wednesday night is where real growth takes place. We spent about an hour, hour and 15 minutes delving into God's word and really unpacking some of those truths. And so you're really going to get fed a big, healthy steak and potatoes meal, you know, and, uh, and, and you won't you won't want to miss it. Also, your children will have a fabulous time. So come out Wednesday night, something for the entire family. A uh, couple other things. Guys, we are praying right now. We're praying that God would begin to bless and prepare, make a way for that fourth service that we have on our hearts. Fourth service. Uh, I think that's something exciting to know that that we could be launching into a, our first Saturday night service. Just by a show of hands, how many of you would appreciate a Saturday night option? Raise your hand. Okay, cool. That, we keep seeing that over and over and over. About 50% of our people would love a Saturday night option. And then you have old school, uh, you know, Sunday mornings when I go, I don't change that. That's, that's what I do. And, and that's good too. So we want options because some folks work and, uh, and need that Saturday night option. All right, here we go. Last night or yesterday was an amazing day. For me, it was, it was an amazing day. How many of you had a pretty good weekend so far? Uh, my weekend was, was extra special. I was asked to be a guest uh, speaker at a, at a, at a men's conference. Uh, uh, churches in Smithville and, and the surrounding areas, LaGrange, uh, some churches from, from uh, 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 Houston area. They, they asked me to be a guest speaker. I was one of like seven, I think there were seven of us speaking. Oh, excuse me speaking on yesterday, and it was absolutely amazing. I, I got the, the uh, I think, let's see, one, two, three, four. I had the fourth spot. Uh, no, fifth spot. The fifth spot, which is right after lunch. <laughs> you, you, you laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's the hard spot. And so I went up and I said, man, you guys gave me the hard spot. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to to, to lead this, and then God showed up, and just bam, uh, and, and I, I smile, and I tell you that not to impress you, because I'm telling you, I was nervous, and I'm like, unless you do something, God, uh, I'm going to be the worst one here, <laughs> you know, and so God said, well, if you're willing to move out of the way, I said, I'm, I'm, it's done, 
go. <laughs> you know? and, and God did an amazing job. And, and I learned so much from the other speakers. They are gifted, dynamic, wonderful pastors that, that, that were represented. I just came back feeling, how many of you have ever felt like you're on cloud nine? And you're just like, man, nothing's going to bring me down. And so I went home and I spent some time with my lovely wife. And we kind of fell asleep watching the A&M uh, on the couch, you know, and then after the AM game, I woke up, I'm like, what happened? I don't know what happened, but uh, from, from the looks in some of the Aggies' faces, maybe not good. And so then uh, I, went, I went to a, a certain store that I won't say who they are because I don't want to, you know, anyway, I went to a certain store and I'm feeling like nothing's going to bring me down. I feel great. So I walk in and it's about 7 30, pushing eight o'clock. It's about 7.30. And there's like, if you go shopping at a home improvement store on Saturday evening at around 7.30, there's no one there. I thought this is the best time to go shopping. Evidently, uh, there's no one there because no one wants to help you at that time. I'm just going to be honest. I walk around, I'm like, hello, hello. And, and there's people there that are employed, but they don't seem to see me. And, and I guess what I was telling earlier this week, Aria comes in. And uh, how many of you know who Aria is? Aria is this beautiful little girl. She's about this tall and she hangs out here at the church. We're, we're thinking of like giving her a job. She's just so awesome. And, uh, and so Aria runs around and she's telling hi to everybody and she comes in and I'm cleaning commodes and Chris is cleaning the windows, I mean the mirrors, and she goes, hey, Mr. Chris, hello. And she goes, have you seen Pastor Chris? And, she, and he's, she says, he's in there. And so she comes over and she says, hello, Pastor Chris. And I said, nothing. And she goes, hello, Pastor Chris. And, she, and, I, and I said, nothing. And she goes, Pastor Chris? I said, I'm invisible. She goes, no, you're not. I said, I'm so invisible right now. Evidently, I was invisible on Saturday night. <laughs> like it came true. And so uh, about 20 minutes roll by, 30 minutes roll by, someone's helping somebody else. There's like one person in the whole store working, you know, and they're helping someone and they have a problem. And so then now I'm waiting and then I go up and I, finally it's my turn and they said, okay, what can I help you with? And I said, I have this dishwasher on hold. Can I buy it? Because I'm remodeling and I need to buy this dishwasher. And I have it on hold and it's all set up and then they can't find anything. But finally they get me squared away. They don't apply the discount that I was told that, that was going to be there. And then I, I said, well, that's not what I was told. And they go talk to the manager. Manager comes back, says, this is what we can do. Now an hour's rolled by, you know. And, uh, and they said, well, now we just got to load it up. And so we go to load it up and someone decided not to do their job correctly because they installed these dishwashers. One of the things that I wanted was the one on display because I needed today, not like two months from now. Um, so I go to get it, but they just put screws like this to hold it in place. Well, when you put screws like that, and every time somebody opens it, guess what happens? There's a little display panel right up here that just <laughs> scrapes on that screw. So I go look at it, and I'm like, like between yesterday and today, this thing got messed up big time. And I said, well, you don't want it? 
I'm going to bring my wife down here. You don't want that. You know, no, we don't want it. No one wants this. So they said, well, you're going to have to go see customer service. So then I go, listen, an hour and a half rolled by. I end up with nothing. I'll never get back that hour and a half, ever. And I'm walking out of there going, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then I get to my, my in-laws and Texas wins and nothing's going right after all, you know? And it's like, I can see some of y'all have no problem with joy. But, but I started realizing something. It's the little things that can steal your joy. Sometimes when you're experiencing life and it's a full, robust life, your challenges, your stresses, your, 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 your sorrows, it pushes you closer to God. But what about when you're just living an average every day and those little things just chip away at you? And that's when you can forget about joy and you can miss it. And so I want to talk to you about joy and that we were created, we were created by the hand of God to experience and to have the capacity to experience a deep, deep joy that no other created thing can experience like us. At least not on this earth, in our dimension. Now, read with me what the Bible says. This is Job saying in in chapter 33, For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Do you know, He breathed His Spirit into us. And because we have the Spirit of the living God, we have a capacity to feel like no other living thing on earth. I mean, we can feel so deeply. Listen to what the psalmist says in, uh, uh, in Psalms 139. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. And that my soul knows very well. You say, Pastor, I don't know that. Listen, you may not know it, but something inside of you knows you are special and you feel some pretty special emotions. Come on. I I was looking through Brother Brent's uh, uh, Facebook posts and whatnot, and and I do it through Melissa because I don't really follow Facebook, but I go, hey, what's we're driving, and, and, and I go, what's Brother Brand up to? She goes, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Check this out. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And it's like, okay, when we get to where we're going, I'll look, and then we just spend some time just looking. And, and, and I was just, like, filled with joy to see him and his son and those beautiful mountain ranges. And I thought, I had no idea California, you California was that beautiful. And then Melissa goes, do you remember what Brother Brent, I mean, um, Brother Bruce said that when you go into the uh, Yosemite Valley, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. I go, I want to go see that. I want to go see what God has created and just the beauty of God's creation. And then God shows me here in tech, like in Bastrop, Texas, God is showing off with a double rainbow. Did you see that this past 
a double rainbow, the thickest rainbow I've ever seen. Melissa goes, I wonder if that was what it was like when Noah saw that rainbow. And and I'm just saying, wow, Lord, you're amazing and you fill us with joy and and you give us this this beautiful emotion, this capacity to feel so deeply. Listen to what Psalms 8, 3 through 6 says. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man? Who am I that you are mindful of him and me? Wow. He says, listen to this. And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You have made us so special, the psalmist says. So special. But I love what Peter says. Peter says, most important of all, continue to show this deep love. Continue to love. And do you know the enemy is trying desperately to keep us from loving and feeling this awesome joy we were meant to have? He's trying desperately to keep us from doing that. And you know, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a poem that I read when I was younger. And I used to like to read the romantics. And sometimes I would write these, uh, these beautiful love letters to Pastor Melissa. And then she got wise that I was straight up plagiarizing. And, uh, and, and that didn't go over so well. But then I, I went at it myself and... and, and guess what? I wasn't as talented as some of these guys. And, and today I want to read to you a poem by William Wordsworth. You say, who is, who is William Wordsworth? William Wordsworth was born on April 7th, 1770. He died April 23rd of 1850. He was an English romantic poet. As a matter of fact, he and his, uh, and his counterparts helped, uh, helped usher in the romantic era of poetry in English literature. If you're an English lit major or you you like that, then you know who he is and who he was. And I say who he is because his his work lives on even today. As a matter of fact, uh, he was... He was known as a poet lariat because he was officially named as English literary poet of the country. And this, and this particular uh, 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 a poem is, is, is entitled Surprised by Joy. Read it with me. Surprised by joy, impatient as the wind, I turn to share the transport, oh, with whom? But thee long buried in a silent tomb. That spot which no vicissitude can find. Love, faithful love, recalled thee to my mind. But how could I forget thee? Through what power, even for the least division of an hour? Have I been so beguiled as to be blind? To my most grievous loss. That thoughts return was the worst pang that sorrow ever bore. Save one, one only, 
when I stood forlorn, knowing my heart's best treasure was no more, that neither present time nor years unborn could to my sight that heavenly face restore. You say, okay, that was nice, but what is he talking about? Well, well let's just break it down. And I, and I, and I apologize to you because I'm not that good a, a poetry reader. I, I have tr- I've always had trouble. Like I got like a C when I had to read poetry like in fifth grade or whatever it was. Um, maybe even an F, I don't remember. But I will tell you that, that I like poetry and I like getting into the, what, what the author means. And, and, and I love this poem because it's so simple and it's an, it's an elegy. You say, what's an, what, what in the world is an elegy? An elegy is a poem of serious reflection. Serious reflection because of loss. And you say, what kind of loss? Well, let's get into the poem and you'll see, surprised by joy. What does he mean by that? It means that it comes like the wind. It's not invited. It just shows up and it overtakes him. And he has this feeling of transcendent splendor, this feeling deep down in our soul. Remember, I told you that we were created with a tremendous capacity to feel. And this apprehends him like the wind, uninvited, just shows up. I turn to share the transport. What does he mean? I'm almost whisked away with this feeling. I'm transported and I go to share it with who? But with whom, he says, you are long in a tomb. He's talking about his daughter, possibly, who died at three years old. Who he misses her deeply. And he says, I just have this this." This, this sense all of a sudden that makes me forget that you're gone. You ever feel that? My wife says, after first service, she says, that part in your message is kind of like a lull. But can I tell you that, that it's, in those, it's in these deep, these deep capacities for feeling that joy surprises us. And this is, what, this is what he's saying. He says, but you're gone. Or maybe it was his son who also died by this point. Love, watch this. That spot which no vicissitude can find. What is, what is the word vicissitude? The word vicissitude simply means a change of circumstance or fortune. I can't, I, I, I just, nothing has changed. I cannot find the change that I definitely want, but I definitely feel something that is whisking me away. And then I'm reminded, this is the rest of the poem. Basically, he's saying, listen, I cannot believe something so powerful. That's what he's saying. Can help me forget, even if it's for a microsecond. Even if I were to divide an hour into its smallest fraction, it kind of just apprehended me. And then I come back to reality and realize that you're gone. And I'm reminded of this deep sense of loss. And he finishes with this, that nothing will ever be able to bring you back. And I cannot look. Could to my sight that heavenly face restore. He's saying, I, 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 I can't see you again. Can I tell you, this this should not be what Christians feel. Because the Bible tells us clearly that we do not mourn like the non-Christian. 
we mourn with hope and with joy that we will see our loved ones again. That this is but a twinkling of an eye. That this present life is not all there is. We are passing through and that we shouldn't get comfortable and that there's something far greater. And so if, and it kind of reminds me like, like on occasion, you know, a family will go and we'll vacation together and then some of us leave early and others stay a couple of days later. We don't mourn them. Why? Because we'll be seeing them in a couple of days. And that's kind of the way the Christian should feel. I'm going to see you in a second. I know to me in my human capacity, I don't see it like that. But in the grand scheme of eternity, it will be just like that. I'll see you in a second. Now, this reminds me of another Another literary genius by the name of C.S. Lewis who writes his autobiography entitled Surprised by Joy. And he wrote this some 20-something years after he became a Christian. He became a Christian in his mid-30s, so he probably wrote this in his late, uh, in his late 50s. And so as he, as, he, as he writes Surprised by Joy, this is what it is. It's about these same little 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 glimpses of, of brilliant joy deep down in his soul that he cannot, he, he has never, ever, ever experienced before. Different points in his life with some, some occasion with his family or reading a book or something that he does and, and he wants to keep it but no sooner than he recognizes it, come on, have you ever been there where you go, oh my gosh, this is amazing, it's gone. And he says, and I try to manufacture it and I cannot do it. And I try to get it back and I cannot do it. And he says things like this. He said, I would give anything to be able to have that again. I, I, I can only guess this is why so many people turn to drugs today. Because they're trying to manufacture something that is a Christian birthright. To have joy. So this is the deal. He grows up an atheist he becomes a theist because of two good friends. He becomes a theist, and the closer he gets to God, the more he starts realizing he has these visitations of joy. And he wants more of them. And one of the ways that he became a theist and eventually a Christian is one of his friends said, hey, listen, if you're going to be skeptical about Christianity, be as skeptical about Christianity, I mean, about atheism as you are about Christianity. If you're going to be skeptical, be skeptical evenly. And let's see where it all lays out and plays out. And the more skepticism he would aim towards atheism and try to balance it, the more he started realizing that Christianity actually made sense. And the more he realized it made sense, the more joy he began to experience. He was surprised by it. And then as he became a Christian, he realized it's his birthright. He realized that's where you should live in a, in a state of blissful relationship with God. But this is something that God puts in us so that we might be surprised, that we might have that inkling, that little glimpse of what a relationship with him might be like. But so many times we, for, we, we never look towards God, even Christians. 
We're looking all over the place and we desperately want this feeling that God says, it's here, come and drink and see that I am good. Have your fill. Have as much as you want. You can have it all day, every day. But we let the enemy steal from us. Do you know the shortest verse in the Bible? How many of you know the shortest verse in the Bible? Say it with me. Wrong. So I set you up. I'm sorry. That's the shortest verse if you're using the English translation. But the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in what? Greek, Hebrew, some say some Aramaic. Either way, the shortest verse is a Greek verse in the New Testament, and it's found in 1 Thessalonians. What does it say? Rejoice always. You know what I find interesting about this? This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, if you get around to it, Christian, rejoice. No, he's, the apostle Paul is saying, do it. If you don't believe me, if you think that's just a one-off deal, go to the book of Philippians chapter four, verse four. What does the Bible say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, now this is what I find interesting. Stay with me on this. Is this a suggestion? No. He's saying, listen, you were created to feel an amazing joy that non-Christians want so badly. And it's, it, it's found in glimpses here and there. Those glimpses are put there to, to make you search for God. And when you find God, why wouldn't you not have that deep in your heart each and every day, that abiding joy? And, and, and this is the thing. It's a command. It's like one of the Ten Commandments. No, because sometimes we read that and we go, oh, how cute, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. No, imagine that Paul would say, hey, don't murder. And again, I say, don't murder. Do you usually have to say a command twice? When do you say a command twice? When do you tell your children twice to clean their room? But, but I love what Francis Chan says. He says, what if my daughter came to me and said, dad, um, or, or better yet, you know, I say, hey, uh, go clean your room. And then I go and check and the room's not clean. And so I say it again, clean your room. I go, the room's still not checked. I go and say, hey, why aren't you cleaning your room? She says, well, dad, can we talk about it? You know, I'm going to clean my room, I, I think. But first, I decided to invite some friends over. And we're going to pray about cleaning the room. And then we're going to sit down and talk about cleaning the room in a study-type circle. And then we're going we're gonna to bring out the Greek and the Hebrew to see what you meant by clean your room. Well, how would that make you feel? You're like, look, it's not that complicated. Clean your room. Can I tell you that's a command? Jesus, uh, Jesus had the Holy Spirit uh, uh, put upon Paul's heart to write, rejoice always. 
This is who you are, Christians. So let me just be, be very, 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 very pointed with you. If you're not practicing joy daily, you're sinning. Uh-oh. If you go out and murder someone daily, that's a sin. If you commit adultery, that's a sin. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt... Thou shalt not be, what, anything but joyful if you're a Christian. What he's saying is be joyful. You go, well, Pastor, you don't know my circumstances. Do you realize that doesn't matter? Circumstances can change. Joy never changes. Why? Because it's grounded in God. And this is something that we miss. We miss it so easily. Now, there's a, there's a song that kind of became like a, a beach song for me. My wife hasn't taken it as well as I have. <laughs> She's like, I'm not sure yet. You know, we're still looking for our beach song, even though the, the beach is gone. But we kind of took it as a beach song because uh, I went down there with a good friend, Ricky. Um, can I, I called you Ricky in the first service. I never asked you if I could call you Ricky. Here I am calling you Ricky again. You're good. Okay. So Ricky and I were on the beach, and, and I go, man, what do you want to hear? He says, man, let's listen to, to some country. And I said, man, I like country. He said, I said, what do you suggest? He goes, well, let's do some like Pat Green. And he said, Pat Green? I'm going, ugh. I don't, like, I, I don't like that brand of country. I'm a 90s country guy. Pat Green kind of, he went out of the 90s. He's in the, in the early 2000s. And, uh, and, he, and I go, what do you want to hear? He goes, I don't know. You choose it. So I'm, I'm looking through and I see wave on wave. And I thought to myself, man, we're at the beach. That's a good song. You know, it just, and so we hit it and, and it goes a little something like this. And it starts to play, and there's this family right next to us, and you could tell as soon as it starts to play, he's like this, and he goes. Then he starts. And he was just, he just. I got no direction. We're all playing the same game. Now he's playing the, the, the air drum. We're all looking for redemption. Just afraid to say the name. He's grooving to it. I'm like, up now in pretending. In pretending. Listen to the words. What we're seeking is the truth. I'm just looking for a happy ending. All I'm looking for is you. Then he really got good. Went out into the water. Thought that I might, Thought that I might drown. drown. I don't know what I was after. I don't know what I was after. Just knew I was going down. That's when she found me. That's when she found me, and that's what was stopping. We're all looking for redemption. We're all looking for something. Can I tell you, you're looking for fulfillment because you were made to feel something grand, beautiful, deep, something abiding, something that lasts, something that means more than what this world can offer you. And when you try to find it in someone else, 
other than God, eventually you will be left wanting. And I'll tell you why. Because even the best relationship will end because we are not eternal. But God is eternal, so when you make him the apple of your eye, when you put him at the centerpiece of your life, then he will guard your temporal relationships. He'll say, I'll keep it for you, and I'll send it on ahead, whether it be your children, your wife, your friendships, your, your family. That's why Jesus says over and over, quit trying to make this your home. It's passing away. It's passing away. Eventually, you're going to feel a deep sorrow and loss unless you let me guard that which I put in you that I would fill. I'm meant to fill that, Jesus says. This is beautiful, guys, to see that we were meant to be filled with the joy of Jesus Christ. And so many times, we don't realize it. We go day after day looking and letting our emotions swing. And Paul is saying, don't you see how beautiful life is? How short it is? Why do you miss one day? You want to live with no regrets, no reserves? Live full out for joy. It's your birthright. It's your birthright. It's beautiful. You want to know how important it is to Jesus? Listen to what he says in the book of Luke. He says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. He says, you're going to have some amazing authority here on this earth. What did the psalmist say? Who is man that you would put him as the crown jewel of all your creation? Now here Jesus is saying, you have authority over evil spirits. They can't affect you. But don't be rejoicing in that. Rejoice in God who is in heaven because that's where you're headed. Isn't that amazing? How, How important joy is? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's see, real joy is found in understanding the grandness of salvation. Write that down. Real joy is found in understanding the grandness and awesome beauty of salvation. When you know that God saved you, come on, sometimes, sometimes those with the, with, the, with, the, with the most colorful testimony have the most joy. Why? Because they know they were saved out of something treacherous, out of something horrible. And the minute you forget what God did for you is the minute your joy starts to wane, starts to fade, starts to get clouded because joy is about salvation. That's what Jesus said. When you know that your name is written in the book of life in heaven, you can't help but feel joy. And you know, Lord, when you found me, I was broke, busted, and disgusted. You pulled me out of that miry clay. You plucked me. You washed me off. You put me on a rock, and you have called me your son. I can feel joy. What do you think the sermon, I mean, the, uh, the prodigal sons are all about? The young brother who came back that had lost everything, he had no problem feeling joy. The brother who never left felt like, you know what? You hadn't done anything, you hadn't done anything for me, Father. Some of us feel like, well, God, you didn't save me that much. You just kind of topped me off a little. No, 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 no. Watch. 
If you've lost your joy, you've lost sight of what God did for you at Calvary. How do I know this? Go to, to, go to Psalms 51, David's probably David, one of my favorite Psalms of David. He pours out his heart to the Lord. Listen to what he says. Restore to me the joy of what? Your salvation. You want to know, Christians? You want your heart to be on fire for God? Understand what he did for you on Calvary. Your joy will come rushing back and you will begin to witness again. Look what happens in verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. I will go out and I will begin to proclaim the gospel message that Jesus saves. Some of us are not proclaiming the gospel message anymore because we have lost the joy of our salvation. Uh Uh-oh. And all you have to do is follow the command. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Always, when you begin to understand, Lord, look what you did for me. How can you not tell other people? You can't spend one afternoon with Brother Laz and not hear how joyful he is about what God did for him. I mean, he will witness to you even if you're already saved. He'll try to get you resaved. I love that. I love it. I love that. That's important. Teach transgressors your ways. You know, there's strength in this. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. Listen. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah said, is my strength. Do you know science is just now catching up with this? People with joy have more hope, and people with joy and hope live longer. Not only that, their immune system is stronger. They fight off disease and heal twice as quick as those that don't. You tell me how important joy is. The Bible says that a joyful countenance is medicine to your body, to your physical bones. God is saying, rejoice and understand this life is beautiful. Live it like it's such. Come on, Christians, when was the last time someone came up to you and said, there's something different about you, and I can see it, it's shining all over you? That's the joy of the Lord. Amen. You know, you can get good at this, you can practice this, or you can practice letting every little thing get under your skin. I got out of that place, and I said, I wasted an hour and a half of my day. And I said, Lord, but thank you that I had the strength, God, to walk in there. Thank you that I have the time. Thank you that I have the resources to remodel. Thank you that all of these things are actually good for me, that my children are at home and well. And then I called my wife and I kind of, I kind of uh, complained a little to her. And she says, that's all right, baby. Come on over here. We're watching the Texas game with my dad. I said, man, I'll go over there. And then I come into the house and I see my father-in-law and I think, what a blessing that man has been in my life. And others don't have that. Here I am complaining about this store. Who cares about the store? Let's think about other things. I can practice that. I can willfully determine what I'm going to think about. 
I can willfully put my attention on the things that should bring me great joy. And I start thinking about what I was thinking earlier that day as I was driving home from the men's conference. And I started thinking, God, you have made me the, the most blessed man in the world because you gave me a grandfather who preached the gospel and you gave me a father who preached the gospel and you gave me a father that till this day calls me and encourages me to be one who forgives, one that loves, one that... And I'm just thinking this and then I think about my friend Cyril Atkins who was there at the conference and who called me and who left the coaches and he went straight over to the conference because he wanted to hear me preach and I'm listening to Cyril. I mean, I'm watching Cyril and he's got this big smile and afterwards he comes up to me and he goes, man, pastor, you remember when you first started and I can remember, I can remember so clearly praying for him as we played on the basketball court and, and how I used to guard him and I used to, I used to, uh, uh, I used to joke with him that I was the only guy in Bastrop that could guard him. And of course he would laugh and make me feel better because if you know something about Cyril, you, it's hard to guard him. He's about my height and super way more athletic than me. What do I mean by that? He can grab a basketball and just straight up dunk it. He gets a couple of, of steps, turns 360 in the air, dunks it. He can, he can go at like this, mid-air, between his legs. And I remember sharing Christ. I remember baptizing him. I remember, and now he's sitting there and he goes, man, that was a terrific message, Pastor. And he says, that encouraged me so much. He goes, I love you. And I said, I love you too, coach. And, and, and to feel that joy, Jason, because he's, he's African-American and I'm, I'm Hispanic and the world's telling us that, that there's all this racial tension. I don't feel no tension. I don't feel any tension. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the king of both of us. And then I think about our church and how beautiful she is and how miraculous she is because God put her here with his own hands and he has grown her up and blessed her. And I start thinking, God, you have blessed me something fierce. But more importantly, I think in terms of, I think in terms of salvation, because Paul puts it best, read with me in the book of, of Romans when he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and rejoice. There's that word joy, rejoice in hope of glory, of the glory of God. We hope of glory, that's our joy. So watch the way, watch the way joy is grounded at its four corners. The four corners of salvation. Watch this. Faith. I have faith and I have access to what? Faith gives me access to what? Grace. What is grace? Something I don't deserve. It's a gift. You don't deserve it, Chris. But Jesus Christ came and he died for you anyway. So when you put your faith in Christ, you get grace. Grace gives you what? Justification. Justification is saying what? You are no longer guilty. You are no longer an enemy of God. You no longer have sin. You have been washed white as snow. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you once and for all. You are now justified. That means you've passed from death to life and that puts you at peace with God. There are the four corners right there. Faith, grace, justification, peace. This is the beauty of it. The just shall live by. 
So it's not just that I was justified in the past. I'm justified every day. Every day of my life, I have the strength of saying, my confession is faith in Christ. My confession is that you are good and faithful to forgive anyone who asks. And Lord, I ask, and you have forgiven. You have, see, what steals your joy is when the enemy comes and he attacks that foundation and tells you there's shame, there's guilt. God did not forgive you of what you did today. Maybe in the past, but this time you messed up. It's by faith, Lord. Every sin was covered at Calvary, and Calvary took place 2,000 years ago. You didn't just cover some of my sin. You covered all of my sin. And so I stand in the joy of what? Faith, grace, justification, peace, and that's my hope. My hope. Okay. Some of you are going, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. This is what did it for me this week. So my wife wakes me up. And usually I get up and I have no problem having joy because, man, when you see that sunshine, you, I mean, how can you not have joy? So she looks at me and she goes, you're smiling. And I'm like, I, I choose to smile every morning. Every morning. This is the day that you have made, Lord. I'm not even, even opened my eyes yet, Lord, but I just, I thank you. Regardless of what, I just thank you, Lord. And she goes, can I play a song for you? And then I want to pray over you. I said, man, this is extra special day, Lord. And this is a song she played for me. I want to play it for you. I want you to hear the words. In the morning when I rise to meet you In the morning when I lift my eyes You're the only one I want to cling to You're the first thought on my mind Let our voices rise All creation cries Singing out in endless Hallelujah From this moment on Join with heaven's song Singing out in endless
I wish I could tell you that was me. <laughs> she rocked my world with that two or three weeks ago. I don't know how long it's been. And, I, and I've been, that's been my desire to live like that. And man, it's getting tough. Lost my cool with her. <laughs> Lost my cool at, at, at the store. Listen, I mean, and it's like, man, Lord, I need you. I need you. And I, and, and I guess I hadn't realized how tough it is to live with joy, God. Not just sometimes, all the time, all the time. Lord, I want, to, I want that to mark my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up and just have a conversation with the Lord and, and have these guys lead you in prayer. So Lord, I want, I want joy to mark my life. Ups and downs, ins and outs. I want joy to be my hallmark. Can we stand and sing? Also, if you want to partake of communion, please feel free to uh, have communion as a family or with those you love.